which is where I was hiding. We had a hoot. We had a good time. Oh, are you allowed to say we had a hoot? But we had a great time, good move of God. It was a great time together and was able to pray over Pastor Cornell and Kristen and his family as they continued to know God's blessing and direction for that house. Doing a good job over there. Things are growing, continuing to go in a forward direction a lot of ways. So it was really a treat. It was a blessing. It was an honor to be a part of that. But the week before that, we started a a two-part series that is entitled, very simply, What Do You Want Me to Do for You? What do you want me to do for you? And it's taken out of Mark chapter 10. We started it, and I know how memory can go over a two-week period. So, (laughs) I'm not sure. How many remember what I preached on? Yeah, two. Okay, good. Not bad. So, we're just going to go ahead and preach the same message. How's that? How's that good? But uh, I'm getting a, a feedback up here. I don't know whether it's because of monitors or what. Well, I'm getting the feedback. But anyways, let's go ahead. We're going to dive into this. We're going to bullet point a couple points from two weeks ago to get us back on page, back on target, and we're going to finish this today. Now, I want to thank Pastor Melissa for last week, but uh, we're putting her into rehab so that she can break through this getting out early stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed that last week. Ain't going to happen this week, okay? I'm just telling you. Let's go ahead and start out with Mark chapter 10. Let's take a look at this story. There's a very poignant question. There's an understanding that needs to be met here in something like this as far as us believers, right? So now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and, and then many warned him to be quiet. Now, how many know that word, be quiet? It's just a nice little phrase for shut up. But he cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying, oh, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Hmm. It makes a lot of us feel inadequate. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, I I want you to, to take a look at the New American Standard updated version because it really brings out the verbology here of what Bartimaeus is asking. And it says there in verse 44, And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And again, knowing the culture, the time, the period that existed at that time, 
Blindness was one of the major diseases that would come upon people for a number of different reasons. Different diseases would enter into the eyes. And even though they had seen in their earlier years at what time or what period, a lot of times it would come more as an adult than it would a young person. But they would end up going blind. There was no cure for whatever they had at that time. So the blindness would be rapid. Now, here's Bartimaeus. He's sitting there in Jericho. Jericho, remember, was the lowest part, is the lowest place on the earth next to the Dead Sea there. It is literally, it is literally that low underneath the, the, the sea level. And Jerusalem is a whole other way up the cliff there. We talked about the geography of that. Now, here is Bartimaeus, and he's sitting on the road there in Jericho where Jesus is coming. And again, they're passing around Samaria. They're taking the long way. That's why we find them located here in Jericho. Now, it's not just Bartimaeus that there that's there begging. A number of individuals, probably 10 to 15 at least, that would be sitting there praying, hoping that you would be generous on your way through and so forth and so on. And there they would ask for their alms. They would beg. Here's the thing. It was commonly believed by everyone that if you are blind, then you then the curse of God was on you. If you're blind, then, man, you're cursed. You're cursed of God. And, and as a result of that, you have something that's called shame, guilt, and you don't know what you did, but something is wrong with you. Something happened. Either you sinned, your parents sinned, whatever, along those lines. But, but here's the thing. And this is what the rest of these beggars were doing as they're sitting there to a degree. But Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, because he had been able to see earlier, knew Scripture, knew what the Word of God said, and he knew that one of the marks of the Messiah was that he would open the eyes of the blind. He would open the eyes of the blind. Now, as things are progressing, the crowd is coming in, and you got the group that's up front, you know, make way, make way, make way, as, as they're making way for, for Jesus to come in with the rest of the crowd that's coming because the crowd's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and Bartimaeus hears this. And let me tell you something. When you hear, that turns into desire. And that word desire, literally, I mean, well, we'll get into that in a second, but, but, but then, that, then there's this ask in Scripture there. And understand that that word ask is better translated as desire. Now, so there's this, I don't want to take up too much time here because we have talked, to it, talked about it, but that word desire is huge. And I'm not talking about a wish or hoping or anything. This is a desire that burns, something that's taking place, something that is beginning to churn up, something that is so strong that you can't live without it. Absolutely not. He's heard, he's read, 
he understands the promises of God. But I've asked this question, and I'll repeat it again. Why is it that God speaks in promises? Why is it that God speaks in promises? Let me just quickly hit that. Because a promise is something he tells you he's going to do ahead of time, and then he does it. Every promise of God is there to fuel desire. Let me say that again. Every promise of God is there to fuel desire. Our problem is it generally will fuel depression because there's something wrong. There's something not perceived. That we'll get into in a minute. But again, the Holy Spirit, and I, I just I hope, I hope this is a statement that you just totally engulf, make copies of it, do whatever you need to do to keep it in front of you. But I'll say it again and again. The Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. The Holy Spirit, the desire of God, is the desire of God in action among us. So when the Bible says ask, understand, it really means a desire for the things that are being asked for. When the Bible talks about asking, it, it, it is something of a desire that is overwhelming. Now, let me, let me capitalize on this part of it, too. And you can tell I'm, I'm zooming through this. But faith is not something you have that enables you to get what you don't have. That frustrates a pastor more than anything else. Because you know how the enemy loves to come in and beat people up with those kinds of misunderstandings. That I've got to have faith to get what I want to get. Faith that I have to bring to God as some form of currency to purchase something from him so that something can take place in my life. No, faith is not something you have that enables you to get what you don't have. Faith is knowing I have it. And faith says, I'll take it. Hello? Because the reality, well, let's just try it. <laughs> How about your salvation? I have it, I take it. I have it, I take it. That's the grace of God. Oh, but man, you know, I'm not worthy yet. I'm not perfect yet. I'm, I'm trying and everything. Oh, lies from the pit of hell. Why is your salvation based on you and not him and what he's done? We got a problem there, folks. We got a stagnation. We'll get on to that in a second. But, 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 but here's the thing. Here's the word we brought up last time. What does it mean, compassion? What does the word mean, compassion? Okay, and, and remember, as we brought this in, we, we took the word apart. It's a Latin word in and of itself. It is calm, which means with. Calm means with. And passion means I will suffer with you. With it, with that word compassion is the word understanding. With it is understanding. You don't have the word compassion without understanding. You might have sympathy, but compassion 
is not sympathy. That's why Bartimaeus, when he shouts there, son of David, the better understanding of that phrase that comes next is not have mercy on It's do mercy to me. Do mercy to me. And that, that oh man, that, that word mercy, you might as well just understand it as the word covenant. It's huge. And covenant simply means I give myself unlimitedly to you and I'll die to achieve the ends of my love. Son of David, do covenant to me. Do, do covenant because I know who you are. I know who you are, the Messiah. You are the covenant bringer. You are the Son of God, Son of David. Okay. He is covenant walking among us. It's, it's like Bartimaeus is saying, I, I can't see you, but I know you're there. I can't, I, but, but I'm, Bartimaeus was not saying he was the best guy in all of Jerusalem, right? He was the most holy and deserving in all of, I'm sorry, not Jerusalem, Jericho. No, what he was saying is, I understand the covenant and I'm calling upon it. I understand, and I'm calling upon it. He's not making this up in the moment as he stands, as, as he begins to shout these words. He's, he's laying hold of something here, and that's the covenant. So he shouts it out. I mean, he shouts it out. Now, doesn't, he doesn't just sit there, understand that. He's, he's not going, Jesus, can you read my thoughts? Can you feel my vibes? I'm going to say something here. I hope you understand what I mean by this. Otherwise, you'll misinterpret it for sure. But God himself is not into mind reading. Oh, he knows your thoughts. But God invented speech. God himself puts his thoughts into sound. I mean, generation, generations. Genesis chapter 1 and creation was not made of some good thoughts that God had. Right? You, you can't fellowship with a vibration. I know, I'm thinking of the song too, right? Do, do, do. Vibrations? No. Hey, it gets worse here, you know. If you're under 30, you probably don't even know that song. Look, I, I, I can't talk to a God who is just energy. Hello? He's ultimate person. And he made me in such that I can actually hear him in my spirit. And, and he made me so I can actually talk. And sounds come out. 
Sometimes they might be intelligible sounds, but you know, those sounds are as creative as when God made the sounds in in Genesis chapter 1. I bring something into being that wasn't before when I speak. Psalm Psalm 107 verse 2, it's it's not in your thing here, but you know it. it. It says, it says, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord. Yeah. So don't just, don't, don't sit and just talk. We need to be bringing it out, declaring it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We don't just cower back and look at things and go, well, well let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You don't need to be telling them what they need to do. You need to be telling them what God did for you. That's a huge, huge difference. Don't bring it out. Declare it. Jesus says, ask me. Now, let me just say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just want to hit this again chooses not to be a mind reader. He says, I I mean, well, I say choose because he could read your mind, right? I, I mean, he does know what you're thinking, does he not? In fact, he knows everything about you. Hello? He knows all that you need. Okay, then why doesn't he just go ahead and and, and do what he would do? No, see, he wants you to talk to him. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? But but I could take an hour through Scripture (laughs) where, where God refuses to know what he knows. And he says, you've got to tell me first. You've got to tell I mean, right in the first chapter of Genesis, Adam, where are you? Really? I mean, honestly, God doesn't know where he's at? God knows where he was, but, but he wants Adam to come out and say, I'm here. What have you done, Adam? He knows what he's done. But he wants Adam to come and say, God, I really messed up. Well, it's a part of the whole relationship with God. He chooses. God chooses. And he wills to hear your voice. Please understand that. Ain't nothing to hear if you're not talking, if you're not sharing, if you're not saying. These are the times when we just have to, you know, speak it out. Now, there there are times when we just have to think our prayers. And and yeah, this, the, 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 in the script, uh, the, it talks about that in the scriptures, most definitely. But the majority of the time, God says, speak it. Speak it, 
speak it, speak it. So Bartimaeus does what? I'm here, and I know who you are. Yeah. And he tells us, the writer does, Mark, he, those who were ahead of the crowd, I, I guess no else better way to say it than they thought they were the Jesus handlers, okay? Make way, make way. I mean, it even, I think, could have been the disciples. Because remember when, when the kids were climbing all over Jesus, right? They tried to get the kids out of there, and Jesus had to say, I want these kids to come to me. Disciples were simply saying, we got to handle this. Now, I don't know for sure who it was or what they were. I, I don't know. But for sure, it was those who felt they had a relationship to Jesus that made them better than the crowd. So they could come and tell the crowd to get out of the way. <coughs> they looked down on those that they deemed were not as close as they were to Jesus. I said that a lot. Because I see a lot of that. They looked down. They made a judgment. They deemed them less than them because they weren't as close to Jesus. Oh, they might have known, but they weren't as close. So when this voice is now commanding the, 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 the whole road. They say, shut up, be quiet. Who do you think you are? You're a crazy man. You, you just, you, uh, you're disturbing. Well, you're disturbing the pre prestigious entrance. Hush. And what was his response? He shouted even louder. <laughs> I love it. Then Jesus, I love this, he just stops and he calls for him. Listen, Jesus is actively on the side of the insignificant, the annoying, rejected, the ones that seem to be cursed of God or punished by God. That's a He was on the active side of the beggar. If God be for us, who can be against us? I, I mean, it's, 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 it's the word of, uh, that God puts. I mean, if God is for us, do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him if God is for us, he likes us. I might not like it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell him that. But he is pro-us. He's on our side. His agenda, Jesus' agenda, is more important to him than the agenda of all of Jericho, and specifically his handlers. <laughs> when he says, bring him to me, the handlers suddenly changed their tune. Oh, oh they, come on, come on, come on. 
He's calling for you. We'll make a way for you. And notice what he does. He leaps up, right? He jumps up. Now remember, he's blind. But he leaps up, and what does he do? It says he took, he took his cloak, right? He took off his cloak. The, the wording there is cast it off. Remember what we talked about last week? That cape was what? His license to beg. You didn't have that cloak. You didn't have that cape unless you were blind. Sort of like the side effect of the leper who had to cry out, who had to wear certain clothing. Look, I'll say it again. He took off his cloak. He cast it aside. He threw away his license to beg. He knew. Say that with me. He knew. Oh, you know that you know that you know. I mean, you're assured. There's an assurance here. He knew. This isn't if, you know, if I have enough faith. No. And if, I, 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 and if I've got it, friend, I don't need this cape anymore. Do you understand what's, being, what, what's happening here? And he took off his cloak. There was no other reason for him to have taken it off, period. Can I say this to you? God in Christ listens. Oh, yes, he does. God in Christ listens. He hears our voice of hope and trust. I can see Bartimaeus getting up there, right? He can't see. He's thrown off his cloak. He's flushed because he's, you know, he's been running and he's been shouting and running and shout, and he's standing in front of Jesus. I hope I don't upset anybody by this. Because I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just sharing it with you that because I don't know, well, I do, but we get the idea that whenever you're in the presence of God, you fall on your face. Just saying. I mean, I mean I, that wherever in Scripture people come to Jesus, if, if, if they went down, what does Jesus do? <laughs> exactly. He picks them back up and stands them on their feet. And, 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 and remember, we've been talking about, remember Revelations 1 where John falls down before Jesus and said, I am like someone dead. And Jesus does what? Comes over to him and picks him up and said, stand up on your feet. Hey, God is about looking you in the eye. He's not into groveling. He's not into, I'm unworthy. I'm no good. That's pagan religion. I'm going to be careful where I go because I can talk about this one for, for a little bit. Let's just say he stood. He stood. And his world had always been sitting, 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 
as one of the people, as, 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 as the people would look down at him. He sat in that dirt at the lowest place on earth, Jericho, and the people looked down at him. Are you getting a picture? Before the creator himself, he stands. And in a few moments, it's going to be eye to eye. But then Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. I mean, the question in itself. What do you think he wants? Isn't it obvious? I mean, seriously. What do you want? Now, understand, this is so important. Jesus, don't miss this. He is giving respect to this man. If you're just talking about Jesus as another human being, well, man, that would be enormous in and of itself. But who gives respect to these beggars in that context? I mean, Jesus could have just simply healed them. Okay. He said, let's get going. Boom. You know? But, but that would not be showing respect. And, and <laughs> oh, I know what you need. Pow, gives him eyesight, walks away. But this, this question, see, my book is a life messer-upper. You ever had those times with God where he messes your mind up? I've shared parts of mine with you before when I was sitting on the couch and asking him forgiveness, and he said no. God saying no to forgiveness? And I said, ha! He said, you're asking me to forgive the results, the actions, the outcome? What I need to be forgiving is, is not that, but the reason for it. I need to be forgiving the condition that produces the outcome. I mean, that's another story. But that's life. I mean, this question that he gives is a messer upper. Why, why, why did he have to ask me? I mean, why would, he, why would he have to ask me what I wanted? He's actually opening up a conversation with Bartimaeus. He wants to talk. He wants to know the beggar's desires and to know them in his own language. It, let me say it again. God chooses not to know what he knows. He wants to hear my deepest longings in my own language. He chooses. Mm. He wants to hear me say how I understand life what I want out of life. Hey, he not only knows, he knows better than I do. He says, tell me, what do you want? Now, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to what I, I know is best for you later on, but right, right now, just, I just want to hear you. Tell me where you're at. 
Listen. In case you're not catching this. We are of such importance to God. Oh, yes, we are. Father wants to hear us. And he meets us in his word. His son, in other words, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is holding us all together just so we can answer his question, what do you want? That's a huge statement. It's a mouthful. But understand, believing that what you say in terms of what I... Hmm, I'm going to wait on that. Believing what you say in terms of what I believe, I want, is of supreme importance to you. God doesn't look at us and say, oh, I know what he wants, so I'll just go ahead and give it to him. God doesn't take it for granted. He is going to sit down. He is going to question. Understand this is not an investigation. This is sitting down and having a cup of coffee with him. And yes, God does not drink tea. He drinks coffee. It doesn't matter how long the conversation lasts, right? But Jericho's going crazy. I mean, Jericho's going, what's, what's going on? Why is the procession being held up? Why are we all stopped here? This desire has been burning in Bartimaeus for who knows how long. But now it's got to be brought into Jesus. He's got to articulate what has been these imaginations to say it in bold words. You call me son of David. You, you, you call upon loving kindness. Great. Now in the vast world of loving kindness, what do you want me to do? Hear this very word, please. Be specific. This is where so much gets derailed. You remember under the law of the Old Testament, you, you had the blessings of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 28. I mean, they covered everything. Favor, blessing, you name it, prosperity. You, you, you don't have to pray, is it God's will that I turn right or I turn left? No, just be you. And God celebrates himself in you as you continue to be you. Everything that becomes the source of anxiety is covered. Have you ever stopped to realize that? You know, we say when we receive communion, that little phrase of prayer that says, I receive my healing in every cell, in every organ, in every part of my body. But let me just stop you for a point. 
I receive my healing in every what? Cell. Do you, do you realize that cell is a covenant cell with God? Literally. And what we're doing is that we're speaking to those cells as covenant cells. Covenant. Do we really believe it? Are we just simply ambiguous towards it? We know what it says. We know what it's supposed to mean. But I don't really, you know, hook, line, and sinker it in. I mean, that God imparts his help. That's under the Old Testament. Got good news. We're in the New Testament. What's the covenant? God himself becomes human. And now he faces work. He faces taxes. He faces, what shall I eat after I get out of synagogue today? What do I drink? What do I wear? What should we, where should we live? God himself became one of us to meet it eyeball to eyeball. Hello? God took to himself a human brain mental process. He has, he had an imagine, he has an imagination, had an imagination like ours. He becomes us. And, and, and he could understand now when I talk about this or I talk about that, God himself knows because he took our, our brain to him. Hello? He took our brain to him. I know what you're thinking. If he has a brain like that, he's dangerous. He talks to us in Matthew chapter 6 about anxiety. Not because he's God up there saying, well, I, I think you humans have this thing called anxiety, but because he became one of us and got into the middle of a world that produces anxiety, and then he told us, Father knows. So when he says, what do you want? He's saying, I meet you in every detail of life. Hello. I meet you in every detail of life. And I just wonder, do people really believe that at times? I'm not talking about a wish list, friend, okay? Let's get to that. I'm not talking about some, you know, list that you write down. I mean, like this is a letter to Santa Claus or something. Here, understand the question. What do you want? And notice, Bartimaeus doesn't come to Jesus and say, if it be your will. That's not what he said. I, I mean... I scream, son of David, because I know who you are. I 
I said, have mercy, have compassion on me because I know your covenant. I'm not going to say to you who everyone else says I might be. You know, I'm cursed of God. I'm worthless, unworthy, filthy and dirty. Turning my head not to look at you when I speak in shame. He said, no, I am a covenant man. Have you ever thought about all the other bakers there? I mean, listen, I'm going to just be quite honest with you. They had settled into this is the way it is. This is the way it is. That they, they now had an identity of blindness. They, they had made the tragedies of life their identity. Do, do you realize how we take the worst of things that have happened to us and we say, that's the way it is. And we never move away from it. And even when he's standing there right in front of us, we say, well... This, that's just the way it is. Nothing is going to change. I just accept the way it is. There's another side to this I won't go into, but can you imagine? It's, it's, it's told that. Why, why me and not everybody and somebody else? Why should God do something for me? Why should this happen to me? And it's... I'll just say it again. This is not a wish list. This is my desire that is based on, rooted in God's promises. In my imagination, that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, I've already got it. So I take off my cloak and I run to Jesus. Do you understand that everything changes with desire everything i'm talking about mm. desire means i can't live without it i can't i can't live without this ask yeah oh, well, i'll just ask it's okay i mean there's no harm in asking right well we'll just ask see what happens nothing well, kind of figured Desire means I can't live without this. What do you want? Jesus took the beggar's side against all that didn't glorify the Father and all his. What do you want me to do? Here is the totality of God standing right in front of him. The totality, it's Christ, it's Jesus. But Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. And they're joined together by the Holy Spirit. He's in him, him in him. Here is the Holy Trinity saying to a blind beggar, what do you want me to do? Now understand, Jesus bestowed an honor, a significance, a worth, if you will, to this man who stood 
in front of him. Others just looked down at him, told him to shut up. He was worthless. The Holy Trinity waits for this man's answers. And it's like time stops. What do you want me to do? You know, what was that old commercial where uh, when, when whatever investment company was, when it speaks, it runs out. It runs out. God says, he's waiting. Now listen to me. He's waiting to act in accord with your answer. So then his answer, I want to regain my sight. <laughs> really? You're kidding, right? You're blind. Bartimaeus, you're blind. There's no cure. Hello, Bartimaeus. You're standing there saying, I want to regain my sight? Are you crazy? I mean, get real, Bartimaeus. That, that's impossible. You've been in the sun too long, Bartimaeus. This is a man who's laying hold of God's love intention. And with one word, reaches out to receive what he has dared believe he sees in those promises. He's dared to believe it. And Jesus, listen, the road to Jericho became the center of the universe. Everybody else was around him, but nobody else was around Jesus. This man is joining his words to God's word. Does Bartimaeus really believe? I mean, come on, Bartimaeus. You, you deserve this? What do you want? This is showing us God's will is not rigid. Please understand that. And don't ever allow the enemy to trick you or to suggest to you any different. God's will is not rigid. Lord, have mercy on me. You, 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 have, you have to have a certain view of God in order to say that. Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Have covenant on me. Uh, here's where I get in more trouble. But do you realize that when we ask in usually what we call our prayers, we are consistent with who we think God is? Chew on that. We are consistent with who we think God is. I will ask for X, Y, Z because I believe that's the kind of God he is. 
I often wonder, are we scared to be specific? Truth is, we're scared to be specific. We're not sure what God wants to do. So let's not put him on the spot, right? Let's not say something and then not have it worked out, and then I become a fool. I don't want to pray for somebody to be healed. I don't want to pray for that financial. I don't want When our hearts and mind are in some flux about God, that will fashion our expectancy. And we'll ask within that. So the majority of the time when we're talking to God, when we're asking to God, we're all over the map. We say in what, what is casual. There, there's no expectancy to our prayers. There is no expectancy to the question that's been put in front of us. What do you want me to do? Oh, well, you know, it be your will. We don't ask with, with morbid introspection that, that we're unworthy or, or in the same token, you know, we, we check our faith to see if we have enough. We ask, we desire our desires. This is what I want that I may, might receive my sight. That's not begging. That's a straight, honest answer to a straight, honest question, period. I want to see. I want to see. He was a beggar who doesn't beg with Jesus. Hello. He's been given significance. He's been given respect, and he responds boldly to what Jesus said. Jesus' response? Yes. You have the will of the beggar and the will of God, and they come together as one will, God's will. He asked, then, then Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Okay. Here's another one. His faith came from what he had read. I mean, where did that faith come from? Where, where does his faith come from? It came from the Scripture. It came from what he had read in Scripture. What he had heard of Jesus fits right into the Scripture that it's talking about. That, that then when the scripture stands in front of him in the person of Jesus, because he was the word, who is the word of God, Jesus is, remember, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hello? Also the life I live, I now live, I live by the faith of God. Well, we're past that one. We're on the next one. Oh, it's okay. Hey, you're not the only one sleeping out there. Don't, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I which now I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, who loved me again. That, that's a oneness. That's a unity. That's something that a will has joined with will. And mm, 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 mm. We trust his faith. When Jesus tells him, your faith is, has made you, 
I think he did so with this little wink, if you know what I'm saying. We're in the new covenant. Jesus is no longer standing in front of us, is he? He lives inside of us. He confronts me in my innermost parts and says, what do you want? In my center. I like what Paul says. I share with him the mind of Christ. Friend, I'll say it again. This is not a grocery list. This is our desire in Christ, in Father, in His desire. Friend, you're, you're not weak. You're strong. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Let me just let me just say it again. This is not a wish list. Oh, I, I wish. I, I, God, I really have a desire for a new car. I have a desire for more money. I have a desire for him over there. No, come on, friend. What is burning within you where your will and his will? Where is that desire? I mean desire, not, not some wishful thinking. And the bottom line is, it can be checked in our spirits because we just walk around with this ho-humness of lack of expectancy with God because we can live without it and we do live without it and we go about our little mundane way and continue in the shame and the guilt and the look down upon. Jesus is saying to you, what do you want me we're not bold. We're beggars who come to Jesus and beg. What do you want him to be? Be. You know what I find most of the time? Jesus, this is what I need. Don't get me in trouble. As believers, who have no burdens, only troubles and problems. When you carry a burden, there are times that you won't sleep but tell God what you want. When you carry a burden, It's not about getting God to fix something, is it? God is confronting us in our spirits. What do you want me to do for you? Would you stand with me? I hear the moaning and the groaning. God, I can't live without a new body. Hallelujah. I, I smile at that, but you know what? I have those things 
Well, he is asking, what do I want? Well, we better believe. Son of David. Son of David. Have compassion. Do comfort. Do comfort. Do you understand what that is about? This is not some form of religion where we agree to certain beliefs. Do you believe or do you not believe? I'm not trying to challenge you in some you know, magical word or formula. I'm saying that he who is in you, he who is in you, he who is in you is asking you, what do you want? But the majority of us don't want anything because we're just, you know, it's the way it is. And we have no expectancy of God whatsoever. Suppose he wants me to read my Bible too. Maybe, you know, pray over the food before I wolf it. I'm not asking you to do a thing. But he is. God doesn't need any miracles from you. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know it's church. I said, in our church, when I ask people to stand, I know it means 20 more minutes of the message. This morning, you're in this place and you don't know Christ in a relationship. You don't know him in a relationship. Let me tell you something. If you don't have that relationship with the Father, there is a, how do I want to put it, a devaluing of your life, a devaluing of who you are. It's like people look down at you. It's like you can't handle anything. It's like everything is falling apart and falling in on you. Well, I got news for you. He's saying the same thing to you as he said to Bartimaeus. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And he's looking you right in the eyeball. And he's saying, what do you want? Because I come that you might have life. you're in this place this morning in just a few moments I'm going to ask you come you mean if I come I get saved? no <laughs> no but you're putting your actions to a decision that you're making a choice and saying yes to him and receiving him son of God raised from the dead and what he has provided How bold are you? 
have to mess up this prestigious end of service by shouting, Son of David! Now, because you, 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 figure, you figure at that point, Pastor would have an usher come up and, and, and grab you. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you're shouting, Son of David! They ain't going to come anywhere near you, okay? But I'll tell you who will. The Son of David. How heavy is your burden? Is a desire that's inside of you. It might be for your family. It might be for your, your, your husband or your wife. It, it might be for, for whoever, for whatever it is. But you know what? This morning, we need to interrupt the prestigious parade and call upon the Son of David to do covenant, to do covenant. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us here this morning. Thank you for stirring up in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for igniting something Lord, I, I don't want to say fear, but I yearn for those who find themselves on a line that they feel they can't cross because it's too dangerous or something, or where it crosses over and, and, and it, it doesn't work or it doesn't happen. Or This is not about a formula. This is not about some magical word or some, 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 some mystical thing. This is who you are. Are that stands before us and asks what we want. You are the God who answers prayer. You are right in this with us. In the middle of it all, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I pray the enemy be rebuked all over this place. Holy Spirit, this is not a time where we talk ourselves into something. Or we say it enough to repeat it, to try to make it real to us. Or something. It, it, this, this is not something of behavior modification or something we do or say and now we turn around and say, okay, it's done, let's see what God does. No, no, this is something, something more, something of another level. Something that is in the heavenlies, yet it's in our hearts. This is the desire that realizes I have it, so I need it. In this place, Lord, let God arise and his enemy be scattered. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...